0: my mission right now in this season is to convince us of who we are in Christ. And I think that's what this whole idea of family that we've been talking about is all based around is, is, is that we would come to a full understanding of who we actually are, which is sons and daughters of God, right? That we are actually sons and daughters of God. And I, I'm, I'm convinced that until we get fully rooted into that identity, we're gonna have a really hard time going forward in our relationship with the Father and our impact in the community. Because if we don't know who we are, then how are we gonna receive the benefits of being sons and daughters of God? If we don't know who we are, how are we gonna know that we actually have the authority to come and to change the atmosphere around us? If we don't, know who we are and what our inheritance is as sons and daughters of God, that we aren't going to be able to make the impact in our community that we actually have the ability and the authority to make. And so I think it's absolutely imperative that we come to the revelation of who we are. And, and I wanna tell you, it's one of the most difficult things to accept. It's, it's honestly easier to accept that Jesus forgives us than to accept the fact that he actually wants us. It's easier to accept that the cross uh, makes, sets us free from sin, than it actually is to accept that we are actually part of the family of God. And so I think it's I think it's my mission right now, and that's why I'm I'm gonna sound like a broken record until the Lord releases me of just declaring over and over and over and over again our identity as children of Yahweh Father God. And so that's what I'm gonna talk about again this morning is is our is our identity in Christ and that we are beloved. That we are, that we belong in the family. That we're, not, that we're not part of the family begrudgingly, but that the Father wants us there and that we belong at the table, amen? Amen. I wanna, I wanna, I just gotta, this is a tangent too, a little tangent. Preaching is not a monologue, it's a conversation, okay? So it actually helps me when I get some feedback. All right. (laughs) So let's practice just for a second. Amen. All right. I'll give extra credit points for preach it preacher. And if you slam dunk in the middle of the message, like if you get up and just slam like the bulletin or something, like just, you know, go crazy. So since we're in a gym, I figured that could be an option. So it's, it's, this is a communication that, that it actually pulls out when there's a response. So don't be afraid to amen, to hoot and holler and uh, do something, I don't just amen. Whatever you gotta do, go for it, amen? amen. There we go, now we're talking. All right, let's, let's jump into this. Let's go to Ephesians chapter one. We're gonna start in verse one. I'm gonna read it from here. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Um, so if you don't have that translation on you, feel free to look at the screen here and, uh, and we'll, we'll just go from there. It says this, it says, "'Dear friends, my name is Paul. And I was chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah. I am writing this letter to all the devoted believers who have been made holy. Listen to this. To all the devoted devoted, devoted believers who have been made holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. We're going to talk a lot more about that here in a few moments. But just know that you have been made holy that there is nothing that you did to deserve it, God made you that way, that you are holy because of the anointed one, Jesus, amen? Yeah, all right, here we go. Every, listen here, every, I'm skipping some, let me go back, my God himself, the heavenly Father of our Lord Jesus Christ release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Here we go, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father, the father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate with him with all of our hearts. Did you hear that? Every spiritual blessing, everything that heaven has to offer has already been given to us as a love gift because of Jesus Christ. That there is nothing that is not available to us. There is nothing that the Father is holding back from us. It is all completely and totally available to us. Yesterday, Amber and I went shopping for several things, but one of the stops that we made was was to buy Eden some new shoes. Because if you know Eden, she uh, goes through shoes pretty quickly. <laughs> she tears them up pretty quickly. So she was needing some new shoes. And so we went to the store. A- Eden and I went into the shoe store and Amber went to a different store. That's as important to the story. E- Amber went to a different store to, to do some other things. And, Am- and Eden and I started looking for shoes. That was a mistake on Amber's part that she'll probably never make again. So we're looking through the shoes. So we're not really finding anything. And finally, we walk up to the shoe and she, she sees it, and her eyes just lit up, like, with complete and utter joy, right? So she sees the shoe, and we go over to it. And the shoe itself just already looks cool. Let me show you. I brought it with me. So this is the shoe. So she sees the shoe. She falls in love with it instantly. But when you think it couldn't get better, it does. No. Boom. Boom. And that's not the end, it just keeps going. <laughs> it gets crazy here in a second, you ready? There it is. <laughs> For all my disco loving people out there, don't you wish she had these? They don't make them in adult sizes, I've checked. So, so she sees these shoe and she, she just absolutely falls in love with them. So knowing her mother, <laughs> I tell her, put the shoes on right now. So she gets the shoes on, and she doesn't take them off. You know, she, keeps, she puts them on. A few minutes later, Amber walks in, and she sees the shoes, and she's like, oh, no. Oh, no. She's like, you're supposed to pick out a pair of Nikes or Adidas or something reasonable, (laughs) and he picked out. But it was too late. She already had fallen totally in love with the shoes. So we had to buy the shoes, and it's it's honestly been the most fun thing in the world because she, most of you have already seen the shoes this morning because she wanted to bring them and show them to people since she wasn't able to wear them this morning since she had to be all dressed up. So she, she was just absolutely in love with these shoes. She, and here's the thing about the shoes. She, within herself, didn't have the money to buy the shoes. She's six years old. I've tried to convince her to go get a job, her mom to let her get a job so she can contribute to the family, but something about child labor laws, won't let that happen. But, so she doesn't have the money to be able to get her own shoes. She was able to receive the shoes because her dad has everything that she needs, uh, or has every, uh, what's the word, all the... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Somebody help me. Resources, thank you. That was, that was Carly. She's taking credit. She, her dad has all the resources that, to be able to supply her with everything that she needs. And she got those shoes because she's in the family for no other reason but because she's my daughter. She didn't do anything special to earn the shoes. In fact, she was probably a brat that morning. <laughs> She didn't do anything that to deserve it. She received it because she's in my family, because she's my daughter, and because I love to lavish good things on my daughter. And let me tell you something. You have everything available to you, not because you deserve it, but because you are part of the family. Because you are his son and his daughter, and he makes available to you everything that you would possibly ever need, because he has an endless amount of resources and everything every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm is available to you right now, all the time you have access to it because you are a son and a daughter of God. Everything. If you need peace, it's available to you right now. If you need joy, it's available to you right now. Every spiritual blessing has already been given to you. Amen? What's really cool about this too is Eden, again, like I said, she is so pumped about the shoes. And and she she was just she warm all throughout Meyer, and of course, the whole time in Myers, as, as an apparent was annoying, as you can imagine, because she's constantly just fiddling with the shoes, turning them on and off, needing help doing this, needing help doing that. And she, but she's just enjoying the shoes. We get home later that night after appreciation dinner. It's dark out, which makes the shoes, shoes even cooler, right? So she's in the other room, and I hear, Dad, Dad, get in here, get in here. So I run in there, and she's like, Dad, check this out. And she's like, she's got them all lit up. They're flashing like crazy. She's like running all over. Check this out. And she's like, look at this. I can find anything in the dark. Anything. I can find anything in the dark. And she's like just beaming. And what I I realized in that moment was as much as Eden loves the shoes, I love them even more. Because the joy that is on her, the joy that she gets, makes me the happiest dad in the world. And, and I wanna wanted, I wanted tell you that all of these things are available to you, but the Father doesn't give them to you begrudgingly. That it's actually his great pleasure to give you everything that you need. That he receives more joy out of it than you do. There's a scripture in Psalms that he says that, he, that the father takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. That he actually loves to lavish his blessings and his goodness upon his sons and daughters. And so the Lord gives us everything that we need. And within that, he, he absolutely loves to lavish his gifts upon you. Amen? Amen. He doesn't give it begrudgingly. He gives it with everything that he has and he enjoys it so much. Amen. Can I get an amen from the parents in the room? There we go. Let's go on to the next verse. Verse four says, and he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself, even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. Verse five, five and six. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children. Through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades us, over us, would glorify his grace. For the same, this is, this blows my mind. This next one line here for the same love that he has for the beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great, there it is, it brings him great pleasure. There's a, go ahead and go back to verse four. Uh, and we'll, we'll get back to all, of, go through all this in a second. But there's, how many of you have ever watched a TED Talk before, have heard of TED Talks? Um, some of them are awesome. Some of them don't waste your time on. But there's, there's, there's this TED Talk out, and it's actually the most popular TED Talk or most watched TED Talk that's ever been, been published. And it's by a, a woman named uh, Brene. I think her, you pronounce it Brene Brown, is her name. Brene Brown. And Brene Brown is a, um, is a sociologist. Let me, i want to look at these notes here so I make sure I get all this, these facts right. She's an expert social scientist and she did a six-year study on one question. A six-year study to answer one question. And this question was this. What is the one core need of every human being? Six years, one question. What is the core need of every human being? What is the one thing that, all of humanity, whether you're an American or a Russian or whatever you are, one what is the one core need of all of humankind? What is the one thing that we need? And what she found in her study was this, the answer to that six year study was this, that all of humanity needs connection. All of humanity needs connection. The way she says it is that we are biologically wired for connection that we all need to have the feeling of belonging to something. And that's why, that's why you, when you're in school, you can even see it when you're in school, that's why you have the preppy kids, that's why you have the jocks, that's why you have the, the punk rock kids, the band kids, because, and you, you can see the split, the divide, because everybody wants to be a part, it's not even a want, it's a need. We need to belong to something. That's why people join gangs. That's why people join whatever is because we are biologically wired to need connection. We have to have connection. So a six-year study on just this one question that we are biologically wired for connection. We are biologically wired for connection. Um, And and then let me jump back into this verse here. And so we are biologically wired for connection. That is our need. And what does the Lord say here in this verse? And he chose us to be in his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundations of the universe, that he called you his, that the Lord meets the requirement in every one of our hearts that we belong to him, that he actually chose us to belong, and, in, and I think it's in the next verse. It says that He adopted us into His family. That the greatest need of every human being is to belong, and then the Lord looks at us and says, "You belong in this family. You belong at this table." There's a pastor that tells the story of, of when he adopted his when he adopted this child. I believe when he adopted this his this son of his, he was already a teenager. And the, the kid's background was uh, he came from a very poverty-stricken home where there was never enough food, okay? So he came from just this real uh, poverty-stricken place where there, there wasn't enough food. And, and the pastor tells us that when he uh, had brought in this child into his family that he noticed that he would find biscuits or different kinds of food hidden in the kid's room. That when they would go to clean the kid's room, they would find food actually hidden in the room. They would hear him get up in the middle of the night and sneak into the kitchen and, and, and get stuff out of, the, out of the refrigerator. And they started noticing that at the dinner table, when they, he, the kid thought that nobody was looking, he would, he would sneak food into his pockets and he would try to hide things in his pockets. And the reason that he did that is because he came from a place where there was never enough. And so he felt like he had to, he had to steal food and hide food. And, and it was it was almost like, like a like a whatever animal that prepares for winter. A squirrel, do squirrels prepare for winter? You know, the animals that that have to gather food and, and hide it to be able to sustain themselves. And when he realized, beginning to realize what was happening and what, why, why this his, his, his new adopted son was doing this, he ended up going to him and, and, and talking to him about it. And, and he told him this, he said, listen, there will always be enough for you at this table because you belong to this family. That you, you will never have need anymore because you belong at this table. That you don't have to steal food, you don't have to scrounge for food because you're not a guest here, you're in the family. And again, it's the same, same with us that the Lord is telling us here that he chose us to be his very own. That he chose us to be his very own, that he adopted us. That before, it says, before the foundations of the world were even laid, he chose us. It says that he loves us with the same love that he loves Jesus, his son. And I'm, I'm my my what I want to get across to you this morning, the main thing I want to get across to you this morning is that you belong at the table with the Father. That we don't have to scrape for food. That we don't have to scrape for the blessings. And I feel like sometimes we we act like that as, as children, that we maybe take whatever peace we can grab because we don't know if it's gonna come in in another moment or we take whatever joy we can grab because we don't know if it's gonna be there the next day. And I wanna tell you that it is always available to you. Again, remember what I said, every spiritual blessing is yours because you belong to this family. Whatever you need is always available because you belong at the table. You belong in this family. You've been adopted and you are loved as much as Jesus the Son to the Father. Amen? You belong here. Brene Brown goes on in the TED Talk to talk about, uh, she, she discovered in that six-year six um, study that the greatest need of every human being was connection, was to belong somewhere. So then she began to ask the question, So if connection is what everybody needs, what is the greatest enemy of connection? What is it that keeps people in solitude? What is it that breaks people away, keeps people out of belonging, keeps people from connecting? And she found this as the answer. The greatest enemy to connection is shame. The greatest enemy to connection is shame. And I I love this, this definition that she gives uh, on on what shame is. And she says that, she says, conviction says you did something wrong, but shame says you are something wrong. Conviction says, listen, let that sink in. Conviction says you did something wrong, but shame says you are something wrong. Let me put it this way. Let's say, you looked at an image that was inappropriate conviction would come along and say you did something wrong that that is not who you are that is not your character you did something wrong and we can fix that but shame comes along and says you are something wrong that you looked at that image that was inappropriate and you're a pervert that's who you are shame it also looks like this i said it's it's Conviction, let's say, let's say you lied. You, you lied about something. Conviction says, hey, you did something outside of your character. That's not who you are. You lied, you did something wrong. But shame comes along and says, you are a liar. That's who you are. And what it does then is shame comes into you and makes you feel unworthy of the family. And it comes in and it says that you're a pervert, so you don't belong at the table with the Lord. It comes in and says, you're a liar, so you don't belong at the table. You are unworthy to sit at the table with Yahweh God. And shame is the greatest enemy of connection because it makes you feel like you are your mistakes. It makes you feel as though you are the things that you did wrong. Whereas conviction says, that's not who you are. And you did something outside of your character. And it, and, 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 um, And that can be fixed. Conviction draws you closer to the father, where shame draws you away from the family. And that's what Brene Brown says, is that shame is the greatest enemy of connection. But look at what the Lord says here. We're gonna still look at verses four through six. So he chose us, so we belong in the family. He chose us and joined us to himself even before he laid the foundations of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us And listen to this, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes. And then this next part, with an unstained innocence. So not only does he give us our greatest need, he gives us the greatest tool to combat the greatest enemy of belonging. And that is holiness. That listen, listen to me right now, this is so important. You are not your screw-ups. You are not the sins that you've committed, that the Father says about you that you are holy and unstained in his eyes. The things that you did, that's not who you are. That's not what defines you as a person, that you are actually a son and a daughter of God, and he declares over you that you are totally and completely innocent and holy and without blemish in his sight. Go to the next verse. For it was always his perfect plan to adopt us as a delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love that he loves us or for he loves his beloved Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings his great pleasure. Go to to verse seven. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasure of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of his cascading riches of his grace. That his blood makes you holy. What does it say there in the very beginning, the introduction of Ephesians? Paul says that he made you holy, that there is nothing that you can do to make yourself worthy. So he came and made you worthy. And that is your identity in Christ, that you are not the sins that you commit. You are not the screw ups that you have, that you are a son and a daughter of the most high God. And because of that, you belong at the table. You belong at the table. You're supposed to be there. You're supposed to be there. You belong at the table. Amen? You belong at the table. I can't say that enough. You belong at the table. That you could do, there's nothing that you could do, there's nothing that you can do that could keep you away from the table. That would cancel the invitation. There is nothing that you can do that would make the father less proud of you. There is nothing that you can do that would make him love you any less. There is nothing that you can do that would cancel his declaration over you as sons and daughters of God. There's nothing we can do to keep us from belonging to the family. Hallelujah. It's so freeing when we realize that and that what that does, and a lot of people hear that and they think, well, then what you're doing there is you're giving us a license to sin, right? That we, don't have, we can do whatever we want and still be accepted in the beloved. And that's, that's not what I'm saying here. Again, conviction says, no, that's not who you are. And what the love of the father does when we begin to have this revelation of who we are in Christ, as we begin to start acting like sons and daughters of God. That we begin to start walking worthy of the name that has been given to us. That it actually compels us to live holy and to live righteous and to live up to his standards. I'm convinced that it's not telling people that they're bad and that they need to be better that will draw them into holiness. It's telling them how good the father is and showing them that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And because of that, then you begin to live up to the name that you have been given. It's not a license to sin. It's an invitation to walk in what he calls you. It's an invitation to walk into being holy because he is holy. It's an invitation to walk in to the authority that is given to us as the, from the Father. Amen. It's it's an invitation to the table to belong. I want to say this one last thing. Do you, could Carly and Amber go ahead and come on up real quick? Let's go to verse eleven. It says says this in verse 11, still in chapter one, it says, through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. And it says, before we were even born, he gave us our destiny, that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. And the the thing I wanna highlight in this verse is that first, very first sentence right there, Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God. That you have been claimed by the Father as his own inheritance. You know, we talk a lot about being co-heirs with Christ, but do you realize that we are his inheritance? That he says that we are actually his inheritance, that we are his prize, that his value for us is overwhelming, that he actually wants us and he desires us. And when we come into that revelation, just that simple revelation that God doesn't do, he didn't go to the cross begrudgingly, but he went for the joy set before him. And what was that joy set before him? It was us, that his prize, that his inheritance is that he gets sons and daughters of God. What does that do to our confidence? What should that do to our confidence that he actually desires to have us? It says later on in, verse, or in, in chapter one, it says that Christ is seated in heavenly places above all principalities, above all powers and above every name that is named, that he sits enthroned above all of it. And then it says in chapter two, and then it says, and we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, that you have a seat at the table in heavenly places that all of those things that it says in verse one or in chapter one, that all of those things, all the principalities, all the might and dominion, every name that is named, all of those things, Christ sits above all of that. But then it says that we are seated with him, that we belong in that seat. And my, my cry against to you this morning, what I hope you get out of this message and that we begin to understand and come into full revelation of is that you Belong at the table. That everything that the Father has is there for you to offer. You know, I could go into my mom and dad's house right now and get whatever I want. I know where the Twizzlers are in the cabinet. And I could walk in right now and get whatever I wanted to because I belong to that family. And it's the same with us, that you have access to every spiritual blessing because you belong at the table.